Hello and welcome to a very special uh, 50th episode of the Double Double Podcast. We started, um, I think yesterday was our two-year anniversary, and we are a weekly podcast, and everyone knows there's 25 weeks in a year, so here we are, episode number big five. Oh, um, that's exciting. Um, David Robinson comes to mind because it's basketball, uh, and he wore five zero. Uh, I knew that. The camera uh, in a very intense way right now, like he, he uh, is regretting already being on forty eight of these fifty episodes. Hi, Jordan. How are you? I'm good. I'm good, Josh. It's good to see you. That was a stunning opening. Thank you so much. <laughs> Like you were literally stunned? Like kind of a, a Pokemon being stunned? Yeah, it was super effective. Thank you so much. I also uh, know uh, what excellent. stunning Pokemon look like. Paralyzed. Doesn't uh, Cuck says it would help if we talked. I'm talking. Um, Alex, hello, do you have a can? The man with the can, the man with the plan. It's episode five zero, you better have a freaking can. All right, Brock is on the move for a can. I oh, went, I went with a little bit of a different route today. And I added a nice amount of booze to a smoothie. I don't care. You've okay. Had for 50, 49 episodes. <sighs> hey, beautiful. One sip review that. What is it? This is a River Valley Session IPA. It can be found exclusively at Liquor Depot. It is their brand. I believe it is also just from Big Rock. Uh, and I am a fan of Big Rock. Uh, it nice. tastes like an IPA. And if you like IPAs, I would recommend it. And if you don't like IPAs, then you should probably pass. $15 for 12 it's a good deal. Wow. S steal of a deal. Holy cow. Did Big Rock call and sponsor us or something? Uh, yeah, it'd be really cool if they did. It would be, especially because if you combine Big and Rock, you get our next guy... Brock, hey, how's it going? <laughs> Good, Josh. How you doing? That's better. More of that. <laughs> I'm back in the game. I'm excited. Uh, uh, Monday the 19th is my birthday, so I'm kind of just doing a big weekend blowout and hopefully getting just <laughs> silly on Monday. Okay. Nice. What are, what are your weekend plans? Nothing. Wow, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> there's, a, uh, there's this thing in Calgary just on the edge. They've got this like corn maze slash baby kangaroo farm. So I think. Oh, gonna... yeah, I went there last year. Yeah, so we're going to check that out. I mean, the snow is not exactly too, uh, too tempting to go outside and get lost in a maze, but hey, as long as you have friends, right? Snow nice. pants. It's not you accepting applications for friends. You ever eaten a kangaroo? No. Mate. I mean, either. Jordan, anything big happening in your life? No, no. Uh, actually, basketball-related, our season had a whopping big announcement today from the ACAC League Ooh. saying, and it was hot off the press, they did a whole press release for uh, province-wide, nationwide, to announce the big decision that no decision has been made yet <laughs> on our season. I saw, I saw that. That was ridiculous. All of this, and there was a build-up to this. There was, there's layers to it. So we've been waiting for October 15th to be the day where we have the big announcement of whether we're oh, going okay. ahead with the season or not. And we get to that day and it's again built up from yesterday and we see that there is actually nothing changed and 
this is very anticlimactic. So we're just going to keep doing what we were doing before and play it tentatively year by year. Brutal, because I, I saw that announcement on the St. Mary's uh, Instagram feed, and I, I, I thought to myself, that's the most nothing press release I've ever seen, but without any background or knowledge or anything like that. I guess it makes sense if you were expecting something. Uh, I, do you have any optimism, Alex? Because you also play for that team. Do you have any optimism moving forward about this season restarting? Um, I think the issue at the moment is CIS. They have to do travel plans through flights, and they were gonna going to do only Alberta teams, but that doesn't leave a lot there because the University of Alberta canceled their, all their sports outright. Oh. Um, as well, Ontario, the ACAC of Ontario canceled, but they're having a massive... They might go back to phase two, I think, so they're not looking good in terms of the coronavirus. We've been very, very steady here in Alberta, so I really don't think much is going... To come from it, if uh, there is no national championship, so the season can kind of become whatever we want it to become at this point, because the end goal is a little bit different. It's just everything that happens within us, so we can change our own timeline to fit that, if, okay. that, if that makes sense. My mom's here, too. She's just dropping off a little furniture for us. Your mom? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm in love with her. Drive safe. Bye, Mom. <laughs> You're not the only one. I'm sure that Eric oh. likes milk is not in the chat, but he does I, I also. I lost you guys the second I called Alex's mom. Like milk. Milk. Oh, well. Hopefully I'll be back in a second. He loves my mom. Hi, am I back? Am I back? I lost you guys for a second. I complimented your mom, and then all of a sudden I got blocked out. I'm sorry for complimenting your mom. I won't do that again. No, that's no. I was going to say I don't think Eric is in the chat, but uh, Eric likes milk. Uh, also, covets my mother. Mm. That's fair. I don't. I don't covet your mom. I just was saying I like her. Like she's a. She seems like a fine person. I'm. I'm sorry that people keep sexually harassing uh, you through your mom. Hey, um, well, if you go to a stand-up uh, show and your wife is there and there's a semi-drunk. Uh, oh my goodness, are you doing this again? <laughs> yeah, we'll just leave it. We'll just leave it. Well, speaking of stand-up, we've got a big announcement. Brock is going to be bursting his stand-up bubble next Wednesday. Tell us about that, Brock. Yeah, it's uh, it's something through one of your friends. She set up, uh, it's just a little bar and grill sort of idea. It's a tiny little stage. Only five minutes, good start, but it's it just started last week, I think. A um, bunch of people, a bunch of comedians, it's their first time going up since like, all COVID stuff. So I feel like things are kind of starting to get back to normal. So for me, I really wanted to get back out there. My goal was by the end of the whole COVID thing, and which I kind of said by now. You mean you wanted to get out there for, for the first time? For yes. the first time. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, I just, I've, I've been procrastinating more than anything. Now it's official going up and uh, I, I, I feel like I can nail it. Yeah, man, it's exciting. It's uh, for those who are watching um, or listening or anything like that. Uh, on Wednesday, uh, October 21st, Brock will be performing at The Trope, which is a bar and grill in Martaloop of Calgary. Uh, doors open at 8 o'clock. The show starts at 9 p.m. They try to get like 8 to 10 comedians through. It's actually a really efficient, really fun show. Um, I performed in their first week. Uh 
but yeah, it would be good to get uh, some friendly ears and friendly applause hands and laughter mouths in the room for to encourage Brock for his first time. So go out there, and then when Brock's done, um, like if it doesn't go well, I'll also be performing, so you will enjoy your night no matter what. <laughs> yeah, that, that was my news, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I'm excited for you, man. This is good. I'm, ex- I'm excited too, yeah. I've been saying for, I mean, years now, I guess. I thought mainly since... New Year's, for a while. I really wanted to, yeah, but New Year's twenty. I'm just twenty. Twenty twenty was the first 20, one that 12. I remember. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm just proud of you, though. You're taking a very big step, and that is out the back door into your vehicle and actually going somewhere. <clears throat> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I do love using the back door. Hey, well, yeah. <laughs> good thing I'm not a stand-up comic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, speaking of things that you're good at, we start every episode the exact same way, and that, of course, is with Alex bringing us the freshest, the hottest takes of the any of the old of the news. Any old news. Alex Cleach. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll make a note of that and add some music this time around. Um, with. Uh, with the NBA coming to an official end, we're obviously going to talk about the championship. That's going to be a little bit later on, but uh, for now, let's start with the biggest disappointment of the NBA playoffs being the Los Angeles Clippers. The Los Angeles Clippers have fired Doc Rivers, and yes, this is old news. Their new head coach, who signed a five-year deal, is Tyron Lue. Chauncey Billups is going to be the lead assistant for that crew. And uh, there's also new news that has come out that uh, the players, uh, specifically Montrez Harrell, Lou Williams, and Patrick Beverly, uh, are not very pleased with the preferential treatment that was given to Kawhi and to Paul George. As they argued, based on the fact that they made the playoffs, they did well in the playoffs by being a gritty energy effort team and then Kawhi came in he lived in San Diego which made him late for a lot of flights he was able to sit games out when he felt he wanted to or needed to and Doc Rivers had no say in his rotation he decided when he was going to take himself out for a sub Paul George also got also getting into some trouble for uh talking the talk but not walking the walk Always saying the guys need to be accountable, but him himself not being very accountable. And I thought it was funny how it said that Beverly, Harrell, and Williams were quote-unquote bristled at Kawhi's <laughs> load management. And that That's... was the word that was in quotes. And you're meaning to tell me that those three guys came together and settled on the word bristled? Bro, I'm straight up bristled right now. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, there's a, lot, there's a lot to break down there. Um, can we start with uh, the, the the Tyron Lue doc before we jump into the Montrezl Harrell Luke Williams? Yeah. Because I don't know about you guys, um, when it comes to Tyron Lue versus Doc Rivers, do you think they upgraded? Do you think they downgraded? Or are they in the exact same place? Like, what is there a benefit to Tyron Lue? Are things going to really change? I think he's more of a people manager. So having dealt with stars, even though it was LeBron and Kyrie, and I guess K-Love as well, I mean, he's pretty malleable, but I think he's more of a, 
a people person than a coach in the X's and O's. I'm not saying he's not a smart coach, but I think Doc Rivers is the better coach. Again, I could be completely wrong about this. It could be like a Nick Nurse taking over for Dwayne Casey. A lot of people said it was completely unnecessary. It wasn't a good move. He was coach of the year. Ty Lue could come in and be the piece they need to make this team click. I I like Doc Rivers still. I think he could handle the personalities. But I guess we'll see. Like, How are you supposed to handle a guy who says he's not going to play? Load management, right? So, And Paul George... How are you supposed to coach a guy who sucks ass? The thing is, like, <laughs> when yep. the proof was in the pudding when Kawhi was in Toronto, because when he was in Toronto, yes, he was load managed and he was criticized in San Antonio and in Toronto. But when he got to Toronto, he had one of the most historic playoff runs of all time, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. kind of vindicated himself and let him know that, like, he can do this. He can do whatever he wants because at the end of the day, he got it done. He played incredibly. He led them to the championship. He was the guy. So when you go to the Clippers and then all of a sudden now they have a second round exit and collapse, losing, blowing a 3-1 lead, that's when people are like, oh, and players especially, like, why is he doing this? But I don't know. It's like he didn't, he did it the year last year and he didn't do it this year. If he was to go on and now establish some sort of pattern of him not performing and it could it be attributed to load managing, that's when you say something. But you can't just have one faulty run and then all of a sudden say like point a finger and say that all of a sudden it's just this ginormous problem because it clearly wasn't a problem in Toronto. I think the problem is much, much deeper than that. Of course, with such a historic collapse like that, though, people are looking to point fingers. Yeah. And one of those fingers, I think, needs to be at Doc River because one of the things that I was mentioning was patterns. And the pattern that he's shown is he's the only coach to now blow multiple 3-1 leads yeah. in a postseason. So, and he's also never been to the Western Conference Finals. He did it once with uh, the Celtics when they won that championship. Maybe another time, I'm not sure. But They made it to the Finals again. Yeah, they yeah. win LeBron with Miami. Right, right, yeah. right. And in the West, he wasn't able to do that. So, uh, when we talk about patterns, that's a pretty bad pattern to now demonstrate. And if he's going to take over... Uh, the job as the Philadelphia 76ers head coach if he was to look at something like that and then establish another pattern and heaven forbid blow another 3-1 lead you really got to start looking at who's got the the keys to the system and it's it's Doc yeah yeah as well I think it's weird because everyone knew what Kawhi they were getting Toronto knew they were getting that Kawhi back the load management the rest of the team taking over but the Clippers like you said it's been, it's been one year like, how many teams decide to make these big blow-ups after a year? Like, Doc Rivers was one of the reasons he wanted to come to the Clippers. Besides, it, it, it was known as a, not a joke anymore. It's because he was a bitch to Kawhi. He just let Kawhi do what Kawhi wanted to do. Yeah, but he's, he's proven he's a good coach still. Like, it, but he can't, Kawhi can't have liked Doc Rivers because we know something about the NBA, and that is that superstars dictate coaches. If Kawhi was in love with Doc Rivers and only wanted to be there for Doc Rivers, there's no freaking way that Ballmer's getting rid of Doc Rivers. That's not an option, right? Like we saw that with Kevin Durant, picked Steve Nash, essentially. I feel like I've cut out again. Um, we can hear you. We can hear you. It works great when there's not these like 30 second walls of it. So I'll be given a piece of my mind to a keyboard operator and then maybe a manager you ever think maybe it's our house if it's our house then like our house oh and we just got nine viewers what a time for them to tune in yeah we caught we caught we caught almost all of that josh so yeah, if that if that happens again just 
move back into the next thing. I'll stop talking and I'll just segue back in. Yeah, thank God. So, like, <laughs> the, the, the one thing, too, that uh, Kooks is saying is that Ty Lue only has success uh, catering to LeBron. But it, I read this in an article when they were talking about Ty Lue taking over the Clippers. And they said what happened was LeBron didn't respect David Blatt. David Blatt went. Ty Lue came in and then immediately challenged Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love. And he said, you guys need to change your game to be able to work around LeBron. But at the same time, he said, LeBron, you're not in very good shape. You need you need to you need to figure that out and get yourself back into shape. Hey, we're still down, eh? Yeah, I was always going off that. So it looks like we're still going over there. Well, we're still recording. Like the podcast itself is still recording. Yeah, I actually heard Ty Lue when he first came to the Cavs. He said, "There's only two players types of players in this league: those who step up and those who step over." Figure out who you are. <laughs> who said that? <laughs> Teron Lue. <laughs> <laughs> Allen Iverson stepping over. Uh, <laughs> so, like, I, I think that Ty Lue, the, the thing is, he is the same thing with LeBron. He doesn't have to be an amazing coach. He has to be able to make all the personalities in that room work together. And, and get the right touches for everybody. As yeah. long as he's not, you know, giving one player the upper hand over a bunch of others where they felt it was preferential to Kawhi Leonard. As long as there's more of an even field amongst the guys, yes, they understand Kawhi Leonard is better than them, but they want to be treated the same. So if he's able to at least manage the personalities and there's a lot in that Clippers room, then I think he'll find more success. So you're saying if he can manage the load that they'll be successful? Yeah. If he can take the load. Because there's loads to manage there. <laughs> if he can just here's, keep them on edge without busting over. Here's the issue much. with it being <laughs> Williams complaining. Is they're fantastic six men. Some would argue six men of the year. Some would argue if you added all their sixes together, they'd be at 18 or 24. Those are a lot of sixes, and they're doing great. But they were unplayable in the playoffs. Lou Williams is a great scorer, but he's not hes not a playoff contributor. He can get you regular season wins. Montrez Harrell was unplayable. They didn't make it out of this, the second round. Yes, a lot of that onus goes on Paul George. I'm not putting a ton of that on Kawhi. Kawhi played good. Very well still, yeah. Game, but that's what that's what Paul George was for is to pick it up in those moments. But Montrez is unplayable. He's going to not be on the Clippers next year, so that doesn't even matter. And Lou Williams is he's a fine offensive threat, fantastic score, unbelievable score, but he can't do much else. And in the NBA, you need more than one skill set to be a major contributor. So that's really sad, boys, that you didn't like that Kawhi got preferential treatment, but when you are one of the greatest two-way players of all time, you're going to get preferential treatment. I'm sorry. Yeah, I actually heard there's so many six men on the Clippers roster that Drake is thinking about becoming a global ambassador for them. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> Thanks, Alex. The, uh, the other one that I, I think you want to talk to a little bit as well is the Houston Rockets situation. Uh, obviously, we've known that Mike Detone De- 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 has uh, been stepped down for a little while now, but uh, uh, the GM, Daryl Morey, has now stepped down. And you said, I can't wait for James Harden to play non-analytical basketball. So, Josh, like, what are, what are your thoughts on the, the big change in the front office for the Houston Rockets? I think... 
I think Daryl Morey's an excellent GM. I think Daryl Morey will go on to have success in other places. The work that he's done for Houston since 2007, 2008, when he took over, he's kept the team relevant without tanking. He Nine day difference. Excellent job. Have they made the finals? No. Have they won a championship? Obviously, if they haven't made the finals. But Daryl Morey has done a wonderful job of transitioning from T-Mac and Yao Ming to James Harden to Dwight Howard to Chris Paul to Russell Westbrook. He's swung fantastic deals. And he's who ushered in, largely, the analytics movement in the NBA. The Golden State Warriors, they kind of fell into it with drafting Steph Curry and Klay Thompson and two of the greatest shooters of all time. And that plays really well into analytics. But Daryl Morey consciously brought analytics into the NBA, and he... They did great. They did wonderful. Other than the San Antonio Spurs, since Daryl Morey came into his position 13 years ago, the Houston Rockets have the second best winning percentage in the NBA. So they're doing very, very well. That being said, I think something that we learned in these playoffs and that we've been seeing is that analytics can only get you so far unless you have Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. Those two are anomalies. They're next-level shooters. But what we just saw is the Rockets, they didn't last very long. They rely on that three ball. When the three ball doesn't fall, stuff falls apart. We just saw it in the finals. Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero, unbelievable shooters, but they're not Stephen Clay. And so they weren't able to pass that level. There's a hundred other issues, and I brought that up in the last episode about Goran Dragic and Bam Adebayo. That contributed. But at the end of the day, Hero and Duncan Robinson were big factors on the team. But that starts to fall apart in the finals. We see that time and time again. Get the ball to the rim, get it in the hole. Anthony Davis and LeBron James, they were able to play that mid-range to very close to the basket game. Kawhi Leonard last year, close to the basket. The years before that, Steph, Clay, and Kevin Durant. Three of the five greatest shooters of all time. But you've got Cleveland Cavaliers. Let's get it to the basket, right? You've got the Spurs. You've got the Heat. It's get it to the basket. As much as the game is changing, it's staying very much the same. So I'm excited. It's my long-winded way of saying I'm excited to see the Rockets maybe get some big players back in and get keep that analytics aura, learn from what they've done, but also usher in some big size. I don't know. I want to see get a. I don't. I don't know what the cure is, but James Harden deserves to be a contender, not a pretender. Which for the last few years he really has been a pretender. But well, that's his fault, I, I too. I think that it's yeah. limiting to the Warriors to say about, like, because you, you brought up comparisons to the Rockets and to Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero. And I think that Steph and Clay, they are much more dynamic than just those launch it from three all game kind of guys. Like, Clay is a lockdown defender and was arguably their best perimeter defender for the Warriors for however long. And At least their title runs. And Steph is. He's the engine that makes that team go in terms of the spacing that he creates for other guys. And when he does drive, he always finds shooters, or if they don't collapse, he has layups. So, like, I think that, like, yes, the Warriors ushered in a style of volume distance shooting. I think the Rockets just took it one step further and it didn't pan out the way that they wanted it to because they really did just rely on launching threes, ISO plays. And getting the odd layup from time to time. And yeah, it didn't work. So uh, when you look at the two systems, I think you see a more complete system with the Warriors. And with the Rockets, you just didn't. It was so multi- like like maybe singular dimensional compared to the, the system of the Warriors. And the, the, 
it's it's out there right now as evidence to why something like that won't work. You have to have more. You can't just be single faceted. And you're yep. absolutely right. I think that the Rockets, the Rockets, they are the furthest side of the analytics movement, right? But I don't think that the I don't think that the Warriors are at neutral. I think they are still in that analytics three-point shooting side. Like it would be I think silly to say that they aren't. I, I get what you're saying. They are much more well-rounded, and I think that's why they aren't very like all the way to the far, far extreme edge of that. But we've seen shooting teams like that. The the Phoenix Suns come to mind, right? The seven seconds or less, put up three-point shots. They didn't do it again to the same extreme, but they were the first team that people hearken that back to. They didn't make it to a finals. They didn't win a championship. It just seems to this point, you can't really name a three-point shooting like specialist team that has won a championship except and for the, Steph. And the two commonalities that I see there is Mike D'Antoni because he led. He was at the helm for both of those uh, teams for those playoff runs, and I think it systematically can fall on a little bit his shoulders too because. The system that he does employ obviously doesn't get the job done. We know that the Houston Rockets, they probably had their best, or Mike D'Antoni probably had his best defensive team this year with that small ball lineup, and it wasn't even that great, but it was just a landslide better than other Mike D'Antoni-led teams. Yeah. Yeah, and I think another thing to look at, too, is like you're talking about Daryl Morey. He's, He's been taking flack for his analytics side pretty much his whole career. And I know you're talking about like the, the Warriors coming up, becoming this dynasty. Around the same time, they're really starting to put it together. Around the time they fired Mark Jackson, like 2013, 14, that's when they got Harden, or the Rockets got Harden. And as soon as they got Harden, I, I can't remember the season before, but I know as soon as they got Harden, they were just launching threes, like far and away, way more than every other team. So right from then, he had, he had a, a frame of mind, like three-point shooting is, and layups, that's all it was. So again, you're looking at that, and you look at the Warriors instead. They're not focusing on the three-point shooting. Like the thing I love the most about watching them play was not just the way they're able to find players, but how much cutting every player did. The backdoor cuts. The, as soon as you take your eyes off someone, um, there's a pass to him. Steph able to drag the defense out to half court practically. Like you, you can't account for playing that team. Whereas the Rockets, you can stick a guy on if he can keep James Harden relatively locked up, like Lou Dort did this year. Just throwing <clears> that one in. Uh, they're gonna have a good run, but you can't lock up Steph that way. And yeah, I'm just I'm just gonna finish on that. The Golden State Warriors, they also had big men. And if you look back to when before Clint Capella's injury, Clint Capella and James Harden worked great together. Rim and, roller, yeah. And Capella was one of the guys where they switch everything on defense, and he was able to switch onto guards and to play defense. And so trading him, they committed to something. It didn't work out. And I think it was honestly the wrong decision, and that's why you've seen these two guys get laid off. Fair. And I have one more question because uh, I, I was being a little extreme in what I said earlier in the day. I, and I'm not, I, I believe in everything that I just said, but without Daryl Morey and without Mike D'Antoni, I, I also just, part of me, I don't believe James Harden is a championship player. I'm just going to put that out there, too. I, I don't know how you guys feel about him. I just, he's a great player. He's a really, really good scorer. He's hes a, a very, not a poor, he's a 90-cent Allen Iverson, right? 90 cents to the dollar. Like, that's just the type of player I think of. He's a dynamic scorer, 
Uh, Explosive. But not a championship. And I fall in the category that everything he's shown us to date, no, absolutely not. He is not. I, I do, however, believe that there is still potential that he could show that. He just has not shown that so far. And for that reason, he will not be a championship winner until he can make that discernible <laughs> difference in and, play. And for that reason, he's out. <laughs> And uh, interesting insight from Kooks as well, I guess, before we wrap it up, is he just said that uh, if you're going to build through analytics, you have to build through the draft, and the Rockets haven't had a first-round pick in the last five years. So uh, pretty tough to manage salary when you're not bringing in talented rookies to, to well, fill out your I mean, roster. To be completely fair to Kooks, I completely disagree with that. That's 100% incorrect. He, <laughs> it was 100% around analytics. There's nothing didn't do that wasn't analytics based if you look at the shot selections that they have and the fact that they were able to do it without having a first round draft selection shows that you're incorrect they are an analytics based team to say that they aren't is no. just false. no, no he's saying no. you can't he, win like he's that. saying you like, can't win that way well then why am i so angry <laughs> i don't know man you didn't get a good sleep because pod wife's been on your that's any old news. <laughs> now it's please. What is with all the hate for her lately? This is so weird. How is Whoa. that hate? How, that's love. That's love, baby. All right. Well, fair enough. Um, again, why am I so mad? <laughs> Maybe it's because you didn't take your Adderall today. Are you, like, short on... Adderall? Adderall. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever I said five seconds ago. I can't focus. I'm short on Adderall. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into it, folks. Uh, episode 50, and we are celebrating another big number, championship number 12 for the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, really exciting. Jordan, that's your team. How did it feel to get the 12th uh, championship for your team? 17th banner, but 12th championship. <sighs> It was actually really, really nice. Um, I was, I've said this before. It, it felt like just for a few moments that my childhood was back because uh, growing up watching the Lakers, uh, watching them take home titles was how I, when I was young and then when I was in uh, junior high. Um, so it felt like that those kind of memories were coming back to see the purple and gold confetti come down. Again, it was great to see the win. I think LeBron... It was great to see him be even more genuine than he usually is in those post-game pressers, uh, basically calling for the respect of everybody around him and himself too. It was it was kind of like even though we knew for the most part where this was going as soon as the Heat were about to meet the Lakers in the championship, uh, it was still nice even though. Let's see if we can throw it in. To see that, to, to see the the championship trophy come home, so love to see it. Can't wait to see next year because I think the Western Conference race next year becomes very tight. Fair enough. Uh, and so I, I, I know you're not taking the bait, and you're doing a very good job of being very political. But how many championships do you count the Lakers as having? Honestly, I really don't care because that, like. <laughs> It, it just it's a thing of like franchise thing like I, if someone says we have 12 if someone says we have 17 i know the general school of thought is that we have 17 now I, I honestly i don't care like i like the lakers i think that it's really a two horse race anyway it would be between the celtics and the lakers uh yes those titles were in minneapolis but at the end of the day like 
I like watching my team now. I like watching my team then, and I know I'm gonna like watching my team in the future. You were a supporter through and through. Yeah, bad that, years. We've had some rough years. Those four years where we started a lineup of Robert Sacre, Jordan Clarkson, Ryan Kelly, Jordan Hill. Don't forget, Tavius Cadwell Pope really joined that. He group. wasn't even good enough to be on that. <laughs> like he was, he was, he was way too good to be on that roster. So uh, we started a team of two-way players. Um, and now to see it just made it all the that more worthwhile to see that to see that championship win. And I like I'm not sure I'm not I'm pretty sure in the NHL um, the Colorado Avalanche used to be I think it was the the Nordiques the Quebec Nordiques whatever it was and Joe Sakic played for the Quebec team and then he went and played for the Colorado Avalanche team. And uh, if if they if the Nordiques had a had a title at that point, then it would it would transfer over. It would be in my eyes the same thing. So just because they were stationed differently, it's still the same thing to me. But... So the Oklahoma City Thunder have one championship. Good for them. Yes. <laughs> Fair enough. Not in OKC. They haven't won one in OKC, but as a franchise, if it maintained a franchise, then yes. The only reason, the only reason that, and I have said before, the only reason I have a problem with it is the Los Angeles Lakers franchise famously has said, "We will not retire George Mikan's number." I've cut out now. I've cut out no, now. We no, we can hear point. you. We can hear you. But yeah, it looks oh, like, it, seems like we're cut out. it looks like you're about to cut out though, because we got a, we got a red blinker on my one screen here. Oh, there we go. Yeah, it's fine. I'll I'll have it taken care of for the next one that we do, and it's all good. We are. Uh, for, for those of you that are listening through the audio version, we are planning on doing a kind of Halloween-themed version of the Double Double. Uh, we don't have a lot of ideas for it yet, but we do know that it is going to be spooky, and you might have a few laughs while you are uh, tuning in and getting it through your eardrum. Yeah, something along those lines. I think when this comes back, I have a good question. I don't think Josh can hear us right now, but... Uh... Throw this to you guys first. I don't think I was even listening. Talking about the Celtics and the Lakers, who do you think is going to win the next championship between those two? Between the Celtics and the Lakers? Mm-hmm. Um, I think both, it's both intriguing options. You got the Lakers; they're looking really good. AD's about to sign his uh, he's opt out of his player option, come back, sign a big new contract. LeBron, how many years does he have left? Good team still, but the Celtics are looking good, poised. I think we have a better chance with the Lakers than the Celtics if the Celtics keep Gordon Hayward. If they keep Gordon He's a player Hayward, option this year. Yeah. For thirty point five million, I doubt fucking injured Hayward turning that down. Yeah, he's not going to. He's mm-hmm. gonna keep that one hundred. You're gonna get that bread. So, but he, that means he's only there for one more year. So then the Lakers the Lakers got one one year, one opportunity. Do one, not miss that chance to blow. Yeah. But if Gordon Hayward's on that team with his salary cap, I think it's going to hurt them uh, moving forward for, for for the future for sure. And then, like, we might as well talk about sure. this. We like we should talk about the series itself, right? So, yes, uh, absolutely. So I would say the only really surprise for me was that it went six games, right? So the the six game had really bad viewership, and I think part of that might be the fact that it fell on like Thanksgiving for Canadians. Um, big piece of the NBA final crowd. Um, and then the sixth game, the LA Lakers played 
kind of how I was expecting them to play the, that entire series. Like if they had played that way from game one, it wouldn't have, it would not have been a six game series. So I think that game six showed just how much better the Lakers were than the Heat. But by them not playing up to their potential, it allowed the Heat to kind of make a series out of it. Fair. Fair. Yeah, it's uh, it was a disappointing series. The I think the best part of the series for me was, uh, again, Jimmy Butler was someone who I wasn't a huge fan of. Um, but man alive, do I respect that guy. He out-LeBroned LeBron twice during that series, which we've never... We've seen Andre Iguodala allegedly slow LeBron down to the <laughs> tune of 7,000 points, 900 rebounds, and 42. Give them that a finals game. MVP. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but Jimmy Butler out-LeBroned him for two games. It was unbelievable. It was unbelievable. LeBron played some of the most steady basketball ever. He's taking it to this level now where, like, it's just impressive to see him go to the rim uh, in a completely different way. Everyone keeps comparing it to Carl Malone, but it's just – it's a Carl Malone Shaq hybrid. Like it's just, what do you do? The refs don't know what to do. The opponents don't know what to do. It's crazy. But Jimmy Butler played out of his mind. So I'm, I'm putting out two conversations there. But Jimmy Butler, in my mind, has pushed himself into a top. I don't know if I can say ten, but a top fifteen. And maybe for me, he was a top twenty-five going into this playoffs. So by out LeBroning LeBron, do you mean he complained to the refs more? Um, <laughs> Yeah, he does. He does one hundred percent complain to the refs. I, I think he complained I'm less than LeBron in that sense. Yeah. Well, they did. Yeah. They did complain about it. The one Lakers, like they complained about LeBron not getting enough foul calls, and then what do you know? He shot fourteen free throws like immediately afterwards. So it works. Kind of weird that you can make a complaint and then actually see the effect of the complaint like that. That's a little weird to me. Like, I don't well, know that... It, the... it, happened, it happened. I don't know which game it happened during, but I heard... I, I read I read, and I heard about that there was one play where LeBron said, no, foul was on this guy, and the ref changed his call, and another ref started yelling, like... He oh, yeah, I remember that. what LeBron told me to do. Yeah, you know, I remember that, because there was the complete, like, clear foul, and then right after, I see LeBron doing his usual LeBron, talking to the ref, and then you see the ref kind of just, like, back down, just... No, 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 and give it to someone else. The other ref comes running in. Yeah, it's ridiculous. LeBron says it's a foul. <laughs> Should we call it? <laughs> yeah, it's LeBron. <laughs> I know pays us. Kukuru, or whatever his name is, is saying that Jimmy Butler gassed out too quick to be top 15 and that he only had enough to play like LeBron for two games, which, again, you infuriate me. <laughs> <laughs> he played like LeBron. For two games. That's Cooks ridiculous. Is, Cooks is right about, about that, yeah. though. We're talking about one of the two, three greatest players of all time. And he played like him for two whole games. I would give both Nuts and Jordan's Nuts to play like LeBron nuts. for five fucking nuts. minutes. <laughs> one Nut, sorry. Never mind. We're back. We don't get the deal then. That's why I don't get to do it. There's not enough nuts. <laughs> You're just one nut short, short of a four nut equation, Josh. And I almost had five minutes of LeBron. But we're not talking about you playing like LeBron for five minutes. We're talking about the Eastern Conference uh, Finals team to 
be the one to play like LeBron, and he didn't. He, and you could see the one game where he played his ass off, and it was all over social media. He bent over after one of the foul calls, and you could tell he was gassed. Yeah, he didn't have enough. He didn't have enough teammates. They. Bam Adebayo didn't play like himself. Tyler Hero's 20, so he stopped shooting the way he shot. Duncan, what's going on? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> we did talk about that like, earlier. Like I, like I like a lot of your friends. Can't stop talking about Alex's mom. She's mine, Eric, all right? Um, oh, man alive, I just want to be Alex's stepdad so bad. Um, I forgot what I was going to say. Jimmy so, Butler's great. So are you going Mormon then to accept more wives, or are you just going to, you know, work oh, out the old no. one? No, things are, things are over with my wife. I, did I not make that announcement? I am so sorry. We are I gotta go, guys. She's available. <laughs> <laughs> the only reason that that's not as funny as it is is... Nope. <laughs> this just in, Brock went from the back burner to the front burner. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Um, but yeah, Alex, you've been watching for what, a decade now, the NBA? Yeah, I've been watching, probably, probably a little bit more. I, I watched like LeBron's final year with Cleveland and then the big decision on where he was going. And I've watched from that point there on basically. So just over a decade. I'd say like two, I think it was 2009 that he went to the heat. 2010 was the decision. Like so, the in the last eleven championships, in the last eleven championships, was this the worst finals you've seen? The most expected result in a finals? Like, where do you put this competition-wise? The game, like, wise There, there were a couple games that were very tight, and they were very entertaining to watch. But uh, I, I was with family, like for Turkey, and it was a school night for them technically, so they are not able to have access to tv on school nights so i didn't end up watching the game i got a notification at halftime it was like a 30 point game and i was like oh well i guess i don't need to watch it i did the same thing (laughs) so i ended up watching the highlights and it, it like i was surprised with the highlights because it came as it was probably a 10 point game with like four or five minutes left in that second quarter and then it just turned into a blowout um, and this rendition of the finals was still more interesting than the last matchup between the Cavs and the Warriors, where the gentlemen's swept the Cavs and it was all gone, a foregone conclusion with KD and every Spurs title ever. I would say, <laughs> I would rank it over the last decade, I would rank it probably middle of the pack. Uh, I think the clear best one is the Cavaliers comeback. Yeah. The block. Uh, I think that would be the best finals that we've seen in the last decade, but this one would rank in the middle. It's a little bit weird and hard to like say because <laughs> what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> you, you read the comment. I know you read the comment. That's that face. <laughs> I, before we go on with that, I uh, I think the worst one only a matter of sheer talent and like actual competitiveness i think last year's raptors over the warriors there's too many injuries to key players the raps it, they they crushed them i don't think that was too much of a, of a series that was still entertaining, was for, entertaining for all of canada yeah. that's why the ratings i think were probably as yeah but what i'm saying is like as a matter of competition right you're looking at all the other ones like even go back to lebron's first title against okc like that was a hard-fought title against 
granted, it was guys who were not ready yet, like Kevin Durant, Westbrook, and Harden. They were not ready yet, even though they played together quite a few years. Still a great series. And two of them still aren't ready. And hmm? ratings-wise, you have to take into account that this was the first NBA Finals ever where every single major sport also had games competing. Yeah, on yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Enduring, so... Which is which yeah. is kind of funny because Jordan and I have been talking about side point how how the NFL is going downhill and right now the NFL is the only sport very soon the MLB is going to be over the NFL is going to be the only sport on major yeah, so yeah. I bet you their ratings take a bit of a a bit of a hike this year they're going up well un- until COVID cancels it all because they're doing a terrible job of managing yeah every week there's terrible. a new team shutting down a facility or something yeah the nfl is a joke i get that people like it i get that you love it but man alive the way they manage these people they just they treat whoa whoa, whoa. what do you mean by these people uh in what context did i use it can we play back the tape <laughs> Uh, the NFL owners, you know, these people, those horrible white old men, these people. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. No, I, I was referring to white old men. Is that okay, Brock? That's how I felt what working at the golf course last year. Literally only old white men would walk in and they were all so bitches. Hot. Oh my gosh. I'm hard. Just like Eric. <laughs> Eric says he's always hard and I know that's not true. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, let's get into uh this brings up one big discussion. Um LeBron James, he got it done. He got his fourth title in maybe his most dominant fashion. He's 35, 33, 30 Five, something. 35. And 35 and he's playing bananas right now. B A N A N A S. This shit. Is. Um, he's been Done. to <laughs> he's been to ten finals in his career. It is he's going to be if if he has three four more seasons, he's going to be the all time scoring. Where where does he sit right now for you guys? Is he one two three five nine a twelve other numbers? Yeah, <laughs> we're talking about the goat debate. To be correct, we're talking about LeBron. Yeah, is he? Is he okay? So on LeBron's level. So I'll get I I my kind of take on this is good. As someone who's only watched the Last Dance and never watched a game of Michael bro, Jordan, let's bro. hear your perspective. <laughs> I have watched so many interviews and analytical <laughs> conversations. Big Scotty Pippen fan and the Last Dance. <laughs> Even more of a Dennis okay, Rodman, Dennis Rodman yeah, fan for sure. Uh, I would say based off everything that I have heard because I never actually witnessed any of it. Um, Michael Jordan, the case that has been made for him is he has been the best player. And I would say, based on him going to the final six times, winning the final six times, having how many how many fucking scoring records, always being the highest scorer in the playoffs, I would say if we're looking at the greatest of all time in those type of moments, I think Michael Jordan would still hold that. And what he had to go through. If we're looking at, yeah. Because, like, looking at the bad boy Detroit Pistons, like, they had the Jordan rules. Like, they, it, was, it was hack-a-shack, hack-a-Jordan. Like, it was anytime he made it to the rim, like, knock him down, hit him. Like, you're not doing that to LeBron. Yeah, a 17-year-old kid, but it was hack-a-shack. But then... They knew what they were getting into. But then I would argue that the greatest of all time in 
the all-around situation, if we're looking at the humanistic approach of LeBron and everything that he has done for social issues, social awareness, for the causes that he supports, for the all-around performance that he has in the NBA stats, his statistics, sure, he has not had the conversion percentage that Michael Jordan did of going to the finals and winning the finals. But I think if you look at it from a larger picture than just being, oh, he played six times, won six times, he scored a lot of fucking points, he was always dominant, Michael Jordan has that. LeBron James has a little something different. So, Kooks is saying goat versus boat. I, I still don't know that I would say he's the best of all time because that's uh, the best is not the word that we're trying to tune in here. We're looking at the greatest. And era over era... Why can't there be two goats, you know? But, the, yeah, like, as, the, as pundits, you speculate about who the goat is. And the only thing that I, the problem that I have is that this whole narrative that because LeBron did become on the losing side of so many finals that all of a sudden now he can never achieve that type of greatness, I think is BS. Uh, I don't yeah. know if you guys saw Maurice Spate's tweet today where it was Kobe and MJ celebrating three-peats, and his tweet said something along the lines of, back in my day, we used to celebrate three-peats. Now we have guys winning four titles in ten tries and call it greatness, which is obviously a direct shot at LeBron James. And the, I just think that it, it is stupid because now... Wait, why, was, why was Kobe brought up when those three were Shaq's championships? And that's another debate. <laughs> but, uh, so those... We have people speculating like that, but like we have a guy like LeBron going to the finals ten times, which is greatness in and of itself. Eight in and, a row, yeah, yeah, and and him going to win four of them is still an incredible feat. And for the window to be shut so hard and permanently for so many basketball analysts because of that, I think is a travesty and it's not fair to LeBron. I will end though by saying that I do think MJ is still. The greatest of all time because there's just too many things that go into it. He never even went to a game seven in the finals. We know that he was six for six. He's still a Hall of Fame resume above what LeBron's career stats are when you look at finals MVPs, MVPs, defensive player of the year, That's a big one. two championships. If one guy has that resume by themselves, which is the gap between LeBron and, and MJ, like the difference, if one guy had that gap, it would be a Hall of Fame player. So there's still a Hall of Fame player uh, in between the two of them. In my eyes, that gap can close. It is possible. Um, LeBron would need to pull off some more seasons like we saw this one. And I'd say he'd need to do it at least two more times to be in that discussion truly. Um, but I think that the thing that is so tantalizing about MJ is that he's the greatest of all time. And in some ways, he still only scratched the surface of what he truly could have achieved with his retirements and the amount of time that he played in the league. And to, to think that the greatest in our game never even got to realize all of it and accomplish everything that he could have is, I don't know, I just think it adds to the whole allure of it. So I do think MJ still is the GOAT, but I think that it is close-minded to say that he will never be eclipsed and that he could not be eclipsed by LeBron because it's absolutely possible. So I think you make some, I think you make some great points. And Alex, I think you threw out a really good point there too, about can't there be two goats? 
I think if we're doing that, I think we do need to break the NBA down. And I think, in fact, there's four goats. I think it's Bill Russell, Kareem, Michael Jordan, and LeBron James. All four of their resumes are unassailable, and you could put them in any order, and you could have a great debate. I know some other people might throw different people into their top fours, but if we're breaking it down by era, I think that's pretty definitive. But I think this is leading to a really interesting discussion, so I have a proposition for you guys. Um, I think for our next episode, since the season's going to be over, I think we're going to take, I want everyone to take some time and do some research and people listening in um, on SoundCloud, on whatever we put out on, and on the Twitch stream right now, I want people thinking about their top 25 players of all time. We're going to come up with the definitive double-double list of the top 25 players of all time. Now, how we're going to do that is, boys, you guys take your time, do some research over the next week, and come up with a list of your top 35 players. Send that to me. I'll score them. I'll rank them. And I'll come out with the top 25 list. We're going to go in descending order from 25 to 1 on the next episode. We're going to break down each player in their career. The segments will get longer and longer. We may have to go into two episodes if it takes a long time and there's some really good discussion. Um, but I'm going to put in one rule. Uh, Jordan, you can't rank Tim Duncan uh, 37th. And I can't rank Kobe Bryant 69th. Um, so we just need to make sure that we're being honest and looking through it and have a good reason and have a good reason to talk or, uh, to have the rankings the way that they are. I can't put Tim Duncan number one without being able to defend it. You can't put Kobe number one without being able to defend it. And neither of those positions would be defendable. So it's not going to happen. So I want, does that sound like a good idea to you guys? Mm -hmm. Yep. And you know, I'm going to have some wild outlanders takes because I've only watched basketball for a decade. So. And that's why I want you to do a little bit of research. Look up people's lists and read a little bit because this is going back in all time. And if you're missing some players, you haven't done, like just if I think it would be really fun if everyone, even you, Alex, took two, three hours, did some research, read some lists and found found some stats that agree and that back you up. I know that I preach a lot of Bill Simmons rhetoric and I have his rankings downstairs in the basement, but I'm not going to be just listing off his players because I have criteria that Josh. matter more for me as well. <laughs> what? We're trying to run a podcast with integrity. You're saying you're not going to put okay, Bill so Simmons word for word? Okay, never mind. Okay, fine. fine, fine, fine. <laughs> it's like when the teacher... Or when it's someone, all Bill Simmons, okay? When someone gives you their homework and says, like, don't copy Kobe's it, make some changes. Bill Russell's number name. two. Um, all right, well, let's uh, move on to our final segment, as always. As always. As always. Hypothetical Corner Corner. As always. As always, in honor of Brock uh, getting on stage at the Trop this week on Wednesday, 9 p.m. in Martelloop of Calgary, uh, which NBA player do you think would be the best stand-up comedian and what type of comedy do you think that they would do? I'm going with, I think that uh, Dwight Howard would do Eddie Murphy comedy from back when he was wearing the red leather jumpsuit. Delirious or whatever? Um, and, and yeah, and say a lot of homophobic slurs to deflect from himself, uh, just like Eddie Murphy did that entire stand-up special. Yeah, he wouldn't be headlining. He'd definitely be a bottom... <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, Brock, Brock, what 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 NBA player can you see doing some stand up? Honestly, I think he's one of the funniest players naturally, and I think a lot of people don't like him. But I think Shaq, just his sheer size and presence alone, kind of puts you in a weird spot. But he says some outlandish shit. 
I think if you really gave him five minutes, he'd come up with some pretty funny stories. Nice. No funny Alex? reason to it. I just think he'd be good. So I took this in a little bit of a different way. And uh, I was... As soon as you as soon as you talked about an NBA player doing stand up, I went, okay, what NBA player could go and do stand up to deflect from Brock being so bad? And that would be Delonte West because Ooh. nobody can be as bad and sad as him. Nice. <laughs> I think. <laughs> as Are soon you? as as soon as I thought that up, I was like, fuck my brain, man. That's so bad. Thanks for calling me bad and sad. Yeah. Yeah. Real, real really send off for the weekend. <laughs> uh, Jordan, who you got? Um, it is winter, so I may I did reconsider this, coming. but I would have to go with J.R. Smith. I think that he would be so incoherent; it would make zero sense. He would probably make some comment about someone's breasts in the stands. He know oh. he definitely would not have a shirt on. I think he would just oh. make for one of those. Those guys, because especially with my with my main guy Brock going up to perform for the next first time, it would not hurt to have someone like J.R. Smith open for him. Nice, thank you. It's it's always good. It's always good to have someone bomb uh, and open for you. Uh, speaking of people in the chat, yes, Eric Brock is doing stand up on Wednesday, um, and. Uh, Blake Griffin. I forgot Blake Griffin. Only guy who has headlined at Just for Laughs. Uh, has he actually? Anymore. Yeah. Yeah, he's a very funny man. Very funny. I think we're also missing uh, out on Mario Chalmers. I mean, he's been overlooked his entire career and not laughed at or taken seriously. So I feel like going up on stage would be the best place for him. And maybe we should overlook him further. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, guys, I'm here too. Right. I'm going up. <laughs> well, I guess that wraps up... Uh, the 50th episode brock what's been your favorite memory um honestly i think it's just us getting together like whether it's before the pod kind of getting ready for it i think it's just opened up a lot of us talking to each other sending memes sending stuff back and forth um just, it's it's not one memory particular i just, i i love i love us getting together whether it's in person or just these little chats Nice. I like that. And I only ask Brock because we're replacing him come episode 51. <laughs> Just uh, Alex, Alex, what's been your favorite part? Uh, I'd say my favorite part would be the times when we used to get together. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, I, I, I think like some of, some of my favorite parts would probably be the growth that, we ha that we've uh, had over time, whether it used to be having to censor literally every five minutes of the podcast because we'd say something so inexplicably inappropriate that there's not a chance we could publish it with our saying. names on it. <laughs> That's what I was gonna say. Like the back in the days before we were live when we would just say something so off the cuff that was so wildly inappropriate that it could not be left in post-edit. We need to get back to those days. Magic Bro, those first... <laughs> the first That's intense. 20 episodes where I was the one who was editing, those would take me like six hours, man. Like those were long edits. Yeah. Oh, totally. I can't hear you guys now. Yeah, we can hear oh, you. No, we just had nothing to say. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Jordan. Jordan, what was yours? What's your favorite memory? Uh, my favorite memories are having the all the guest speakers that we used to have mm. back in the day on the show. I know we had Tom Thibodeau. I know we had Guy Lemay. Kawhi Ooh. Leonard's hand trainer. 
Um, I know that we Dion Waiters. Dion that, Waiters. That was a big one. That was a controversial one. Coming uh, off his uh, <laughs> coming off his edibles. Yeah, that was yeah. that was a fun one. Yeah. So I, yeah, I we like. We haven't had a guest on in a while. We got to get guests back. Yeah. So I like those days. I thought those episodes were especially spicy. Love how those athletes uh, could accommodate and trainers accommodate their busy schedule to come on down to the Double Double Studio. Nice. Yeah. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. It's been... Uh, What's your favorite, Josh? Uh, my favorite has been, I think, just all of us developing and growing in our own way, right? Like, Alex came in with a, a lot of radio experience. Um, and picked Carmelo Anthony as a sixth man. <laughs> Seeing him hit his role in a really good way. And... Uh, getting to watch Jordan grow in his analytics ways, kind of the way that he looks at the game differently, right? Like I I, I was saying to Pop Wife the other week that the thing I really enjoy about Jordan and is the way that he can break the game down and the actual play style and the plays and stuff that's going on. His knowledge of the game in that regard is the best on our team and watching him be able to deliver that in more eloquent ways and more palatable ways for listeners has been wonderful. Getting to watch Brock go, grow in his confidence, uh, has been fantastic to the point that now he's finally going on stage and is going to do some stand-up. And I think that us doing this podcast plays a part in that. Um, And getting for myself, for me to be able to practice hosting something, I said that at the beginning to you guys when we sat down. I don't think Brock was there, but I said I want to be the host-ish because I believe that hosting is something I can do. And since then, I've gotten live hosting gigs in front of, couple hundred people hosting stuff and it's because of this that i am confident in just running a room in that way and so i think we've all grown in our own ways um and alex's creativity with the way that he's organizing the twitch stream with the sidebars like just different he came in with the radio side but his is not other areas has been growing so it's been really fun watching all four of us grow um and being along that Yeah, that was really great how you were able to host the first 50 episodes. Yeah, I'm excited uh, for the... Wait, what? (laughs) 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 All right, well, gentlemen, it's been a blast. To everyone listening or watching on Twitch right now, thank you for tuning in. Uh, To all of our listeners online, the listens keep going up. Last year, we hit 1,000. This year, we're already at, I think, like 2,300, 2,400. the numbers aren't astronomical, but we're growing and we're having fun. We're doing it for us, which is why it's always rewarding. But it is, it's really nice to know that people are listening. Please get in touch with us. Reach out on Instagram. Uh, and again, come out to the trough. It's going to be a lot of fun. There's a lot of talent in Calgary, a lot of very funny people and highball specials. So that's nice too. $5 beer. Um, that's pretty good beer. Not bad beer. All right, Brock. I love you. Goodbye. Thank you, Josh. I just wanted to say a quick thank you to the Spare Bedroom Boys. I know Kooks has been with us all podcast here. Eric jumped in for a little bit. He probably just heard Alex's mom stop by. Um, but yeah, they're, they're a nice little podcast. Alex has already featured on there once. They're, they're pretty fun. Check them out. Uh, Alex, I love you, man. Thanks for this. I love you. Thank you for the memories. And let's make many more. Um, Kooks is saying good show to the three of you. I wonder who's the fourth he's not including. Jordan, I love you, man. Thanks for the 50. This was fun.
Congrats on being a father. That was the most important milestone along this 50 episode yeah. journey. Uh, I can take it a little bit. Um, <laughs> just kidding. We went swimming today. It was wonderful. But for the 50th time, the starters getting sick of this. Double, bitches. Double. I'm pretty sure they had a show when we first started. Pussies. Double, double, bitches. I like that sign off for the 50th episode. We might just have to start challenging around. Bill Simmons to a game of four on one. More like bitch Simmons. <laughs> Yeah! Alright, <laughs> for the episodes we're challenging the ringer since the starters aren't there. Yeah, but today the starters and double double bitches. Double double bitches! And make sure to support the artists. We found all of our songs on hooksounds.com. The title of the three tracks, This Is Hip Hop, Hard Digital, and Straight to the Point.